We're on the home stretch of our liturgical year, and our readings today reflect this. The gospel passage is Jesus' next to last teaching in the Gospel of Matthew before the Passion. We'll hear the last teaching next week. We'll concentrate on the gospel and the homily today, but we need to make some comments about this first reading. Since I've moved to the South, many people have requested this reading at weddings and funerals, and I've been a little surprised by that. This is the conclusion of the book of Proverbs, which talks about the ideal wife. Now, we're only going to hear portions of this passage tonight, but the whole thing makes her sound like a superhuman. She rises while it's dark. She works all night. She's strong, humorous, and wise. She runs her husband's business. She procures provisions from afar. She manages property and vineyards. She tends to the poor and downtrodden. That's a tall order for anyone. She is not a person. She is the personification of God's wisdom. The point of this passage at the end of the book of Proverbs is that we too, if we study God's law, if we try to understand, if we befriend God's wisdom, then God's wisdom will provide all that we need. The Gospel of Matthew, those of you who are regulars here, as you all know, is my favorite gospel. It is the teaching gospel. As we conclude our year of studying Matthew, Let us ask God for the grace to internalize all that we have learned. In Jesus' time, a talent was a sum of money equivalent to 15 years of laborers' wages. So today, at the national minimum wage of $7.25 per hour, 40 hours per week and 50 weeks a year, a talent today would be worth $217,500. In other words, one talent is a big deal. Matthew is the gospel of parables, and this story is the final parable in Matthew. A parable is a story with an unexpected twist, but most of us don't feel very shocked when we hear the ending of this story anymore. Think about it. If a boss gave three employees sums of $1,087,500, five talents, $435,000, and $217,500, the equivalent of five, two, and one talent each, and the boss went away without leaving instructions on what should be done with that money, we expect the boss to be pleased with the servant who kept the money safe rather than with the ones who took risks with it. But in the nearly 2,000 years since Matthew recorded this story, something very curious has happened. The word talent no longer describes an amount of money equivalent to 15 years of laborers' wages. The word talent now means a gift or a grace. Why has the meaning of this word changed? Because of this parable. That's where we get the idea of a talent. So what talents do you have? What are we supposed to do with these God-given gifts and graces? The parable makes it pretty obvious. God gives us gifts and graces so that we can use them. Most of us aren't even aware of all the gifts and graces God has given us. Perhaps we're unconsciously burying our talents in the ground. 
Let's push on this parable a bit. What could the servant have done instead of burying his talent if he didn't know what else to do with it? Well, he could have asked the master for advice before the master left town, and he could have written to the master while he was away. That would be analogous to praying, asking God to help us recognize the gifts that we already have, and asking God for the graces we still desire. The servant could have invested his talent in the bank, earning interest. That would be roughly equivalent to enhancing a God-given gift we already have by formally studying it to better develop it into a greater gift. The servant could have asked his fellow servants for advice on how to receive a greater return. From time to time, we need to ask friends and family members to tell us what gifts they think we have. And maybe, without being prompted, we need to tell others what gifts and talents we see in them. My 15-year-old self would be shocked to see what I'm doing at the age of 40. Back then, I thought my main talents were doing math and playing piano. It took a lot of different ways for me to recognize that I had additional talents. I didn't think I was any good at writing. It took the encouragement of three special teachers for me to realize that I had the ability to write. After receiving a scholarship from Tom Beta Pi, I decided to give back by getting involved with a volunteer program. It was then that I discovered that I had a gift for public speaking. I can't imagine that I would have ever recognized the call to priesthood if I hadn't already recognized my ability to write and already honed my ability to speak in public. When I finally discerned that perhaps God was calling me to be a priest, I frankly was disgusted with all the friends and family members who then said, you know, I always thought you would make a great priest. I wish they had told me that sooner so my discernment would have been a lot easier. And I won't even get into all the talents I realized I had once I went to the seminary. I never thought I'd be able to do counseling and be considered by other people to be holy. So anyway, all of us have been blessed beyond measure. If you're sitting here today I am willing to bet that you have received many talents from God, not just one, two, or five. You may have heard this quotation from Marianne Williamson before, but it's worth repeating. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. 
It's in everyone. 